Hello, and welcome to Heilman and Haver, the stage and screen podcast, coming to you virtually from Casa de Quinn and 1111 Studios in beautiful Port Orchard, Washington. I'm Greg Heilman. And I'm Matt Haver. We're two local actors looking to hone our craft by exploring the best in local theater and on the big screen. Each week, we'll bring you entertainment news and views, celebrate classic Hollywood, enjoy cocktails with a Tinseltown twist, interview talented local actors and directors, and chat with industry experts from L.A. to the U.K. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. Jason Kint of the Actors Fund. Although he had a passion for the theater and participated in many high school productions, Dr. Jason Kint quickly realized that his enthusiasm for musical theater does not make up for his lack of pitch. So he went to medical school. He graduated from Ursinus College in 1995 and Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in 1999. Dr. Jason is board certified in family medicine and worked for the Reading Health System in Hamburg, PA, where he was voted best family practice five years in a row until 2013. After that, he had to be closer to Broadway, so he moved to New York City and worked in urgent care in Manhattan, leaving him plenty of time and opportunity to catch all those shows in town. Dr. Kin is a theater person at heart and very excited to be working with this community. He's a loving and caring family physician who's dedicated to helping his patients thrive in every aspect of their lives. Dr. Kent, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. All right. So before we get to your the Actors Fund and your role and, and the things that they're doing, tell us a little bit about your own journey. It's kind of the, the dream come true story that, that a lot of us, especially out here where we're so far removed from Broadway, look at. And you know, from your love of theater to picking up and moving to kind of the center of it all. Yeah, it... Um... It happened, I think, a lot by chance. And I would say I've never dreamed, you know, this big um, in that my love for theater, I never thought going into medicine, I could tie the two together. I uh, moved to New York to be closer to theater, was doing urgent care. And literally uh, the urgent care I was working at was going out of business. And the woman sitting next to me at the meeting where we were saying our goodbye and said, hey, I saw a job that might be perfect for you. The Actors Fund is opening a healthcare center. And the timing was just perfect. And the second I heard about it, I knew it was my job. So I, I went through the interview process, but I kind of had a confidence that I am ideal for this, for this, for this position. So it's, you know, kind of like the stars aligning. So for those who haven't heard of the Actors Fund, it was founded in 1882, and it's a national human services organization meeting the needs of the entertainment community with a unique understanding of the challenges involved in a life in the arts. Services include emergency financial assistance, affordable housing, health care and insurance counseling, senior care, secondary career development, and uh, a ton more. So Jason, it sounds like you were aware of the organization before being hired uh, just as an avid Broadway fan. What's the history behind the medical care they provide? And what's your role as a physician within the organization now? Yeah, so um, I knew about the work that they did. I went to enough Broadway shows where they would give uh, speeches at the curtain call, you know, raising money, red buckets for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS and assistance to the Actors Fund. So they have a, a, a fabulous reputation in the community. As far as, you know, my, how the health center came to be, the Actors Fund always had a free healthcare center for people in the business. It was called the Al Hirschfeld Clinic. And it was for people in the business who were uninsured. A lot of times when a show closes, people go without work and without health insurance. It's an industry based on incremental uh, earnings, work and unemployment. And with unemployment, unfortunately, in this country comes no health insurance. 
So the Al Hirschfeld was always there to meet the needs of the community. Then when Obama was president with the Affordable Care Act, um, insurance, uh, there was an re insurance requirement. So people were able to get insurance through the marketplace. So more and more actors and unemployed musicians, dancers, you know, were able to pick up health insurance through the marketplace, but then they couldn't utilize the free healthcare center because it was only for those uninsured. Um, but a lot of, we weren't meeting the needs of the community because even though they were picking up insurances, a lot of places weren't taking those particular health plans. So that's when the Actors Fund merged with uh, Mount Sinai Hospital and they created the Freeman Health Center for the Performing Arts. So the day the Freeman Health Center opened, the Al Hirschfeld Clinic closed and we basically brought everybody over. And the difference is now we can see people with insurance. And if somebody works in the performing arts in any aspect of the performing arts and they're without healthcare coverage, they can still be seen at our health center through a subsidy through the Actors Fund. So it's better in that there's better continuity of care because we can see people with insurance and without insurance and meet the needs of the community. So it's kind of like a support system for people's healthcare needs in the performing arts. So the, the Actors Fund states in its mission that it, it, quote, aims to provide stability, resiliency, and safety net for performing arts and entertainment professionals over their lifespan. And you've touched on a few of the ways they have of, of collecting money. We'll talk about that in, in a second. As far as services that they offer, I know there are a ton. Can you speak to some of the, the major services that they offer, in addition to kind of the healthcare things that you've been talking about? Um, so the building in which I work is, uh, the Actors Fund has three floors, 10th floor, 11th floor, and then the healthcare center is on the 12th floor. And the other uh, departments are located right underneath me. So what I love as a physician is, you know, they have counselors, therapists, you know, support for drugs, alcohol, depression, anxiety. If I need help for a patient, I can literally call downstairs and get those services and financial assistance for patients who are truly in need. But they also have these uh, online seminars. I mean, they've moved a lot to virtual online seminars and stuff, but to help, uh, they have a motto, every artist insured. So during these times when nobody's working, they help match people with insurances that are affordable and good coverage, things that we take in the, in the healthcare center. Um, they help with affordable housing seminars. They help with injured dancers program. I mean, it's, it's extensive. Actorsfund.org has a list of services they have, but they have regular meetings. They have groups. They have individual counselors. They truly are there, you know, to support those in need. Yeah, I noticed looking through some of the seminars, anything from apartment hunting in Manhattan to, hey, here's a, here's this, a stage manager you know, talk, giving you advice or feedback or, or things like that. So yeah, it does seem like those seminars and things really run the gamut. And they even have a resource center for places to find, you know, help with specific needs, you know, across the country too. They're not just in Manhattan. There's a resource center to find a doctor. If you're on tour in Chicago, you know, there's still people who are connected throughout the country. 
Yeah, that actually leads right into our next question. I, I'm looking behind you through your window, and it looks like you could probably hit a seven iron to Broadway from, <laughs> yeah. from your apartment there. <laughs> so your your boots on the ground. There are obviously two coasts that are big and and other major cities involved as well, like Chicago, like you mentioned. So the Actors Fund does have remote locations and resources for for folks all around the country. It sounds like. Yes, all the services are available no matter where you are. Um, you can, and it's gotten more and more remote access, so it's easier for people who want to participate in these seminars and these workshops to do it remotely. They do have offices in Chicago and LA. Um, there is not a healthcare center in LA um, because there's a Bob Hope Healthcare Center through UCLA, which is geared towards people in the performing arts. So that's similar um, in structure. So we didn't feel we needed a, a medical center out West. But right now I'd say about half of my patients have left the city because there's no work. Um, they've gone home. They can't afford rent in the city right now. But I'm able to do virtual appointments, see my patients, send medicines to every state. So once you've established with us, I can take care of you pretty much wherever you are. So for how do you qualify for care? So the performing arts or the entertainment industry is kind of a broad scope. And I'm sure the line is fuzzy between those are, who are entertainers at you know, Broadway and touring companies and things like that. And kind of hacks like Matt and myself at regional theater, you know, we're not part of the entertainment industry. So where does that line and how do you qualify for services that the Actors Fund provides? For the, for the most part, it's, you have to have shown some earnings in the business. I think it's something like $3,000 for three out of the last five years or five out of the last 10 years. Or if you had one year with significant earnings. You know, like if you did a show for nine months and made a lot of money, but haven't worked since, depending on the time frame that could cost. So they have, you know, um, there's certain services that that doesn't matter, but to get like a subsidy at the health center for free medical care, that's kind of the qualifications that they, they use. Yeah. You need to show that you're doing it for a living. Or, you know, have made some earnings in it and you're not just, you know, in an Elmo suit in Times Square. <laughs> They're still there. <laughs> They're still there. Glad to hear something's going on. Yes. <laughs> so how has COVID impacted the Actors Fund? You mentioned earlier some of the seminars going virtual. I assume the organizations had to be agile around how it provides services and benefits and fundraising and things like that. Yeah. I mean, this is unprecedented. I think it has turned the organization upside down. I think people are working harder than they've ever worked. Um, hats off to the leadership um, to, to bring in money so that we can give out money. In a typical year, the Actors Fund typically gives out about $2 million in emergency financial assistance for people in need for basics, rent, medical care, you know, ele electricity, food. And this year they've so far given out over $18 million. So they've pretty much flipped everybody over into uh, virtual overnight um, and making sure a quick turnaround to get people the assistance as quickly as possible. So fundraising and, and helping people have become, you know, priorities but by still maintaining those important seminars, which people need now more than ever for their mental health, for their physical safety. Um, so it's where other, other people are, are not 
you know, having work some, I think the actor's fun is just stressed to the limit and working overtime. Well, I think the other thing is just still maintaining a sense of community. You mentioned earlier that half of your patients have left the city. And I mean, we feel as, as consumers, all the way out here on the left coast, we feel impacted by the change in entertainment and in the entertainment yeah. business. I mean, my God, what a, how horrible to see that many people have to flee the city uh, just to stay afloat. I'd love to hear something that you've seen as a physician there on the ground personally, perhaps a time when you saw the work that's being done there in New York impact someone for the better. Yeah, there's countless stories. You know, um, I had a, a patient, probably one of the best tappers in the world, uh, broke his ankle. You know, a uh, week before our Broadway premiere, a brand new Broadway show, you know, devastating had shitty insurance because he was, you have to work a couple of weeks. The show wasn't even open yet. He was about to get great health insurance through the show, but hadn't had it yet. But the actor's phone was able to call the surgeon for the American Ballet Theater. He was able to do it pro bono. He was able to get the patient the help that they needed, the physical therapy that he needed. He's up dancing again, you know, a year later. You know, just amazing to connect. It is a small community and people know people and the people in town who have a passion for theater are willing to help out for these special cases. But it's about connections and knowing who's who. And I could pretty much call downstairs to the actor's fund and say, hey, this patient really needs blank and they make it happen. Yeah, that's something that you don't, as a consumer, you don't always think about or remember that these folks, their body is their business. And one little yeah. thing like a, a break, a leg, an ankle, a whole year, even with the best care possible, that's that right. would be devastating. Although many of us can now identify uh, with, with COVID really kind of taking us all off, you know, at the knees. So, mm -hmm. hey, we're sold. Uh, and, the, and the great thing is about this wired country you live in, we can support the Actors Fund from anywhere. So, it looks like on the website, uh, actorsfund.org, there's a number of ways people can support the organization, donations, memberships. Can you provide some information about what the differences are and maybe what some of the benefits of membership are? You know, they have a motto, when you have, give, and when you need, you know, ask, you know, and that's how they've survived for 137 years. So, you know, actors and stagehands and dancers were helping today, you know, in the future when they make it successful, you know, then they, you know, give back. So it's really an industry that's helping itself. Um, so it's really, uh, people feel very connected to it. You know, to be a membership, you get newsletter, you get information about the organization, you get, uh, you can get house seats to a show, you know, they can connect you with, you know, premium seats. Um, the higher the levels, the more special events you get invited to. There's uh, the act, pretty much every show on Broadway has a benefit performance for the Actors Fund. Um, and they donate their tickets, they donate their time, the tickets go to the Actors Fund, the Actors Fund gives them to their members at the higher levels or sell them. Um, and it's usually at an odd time. I've been to midnight shows, you know, because it shows times when, and so the other people who are in other shows are in the audience because it's the only time they get to see. And you've never been in a crowd till you've been to an Actors Fund performance. The enthusiasm and the excitement, the crowd just goes nuts when each actor comes out on stage. Um, and it's just a super special experience. So that's one of the thrills of being, you know, part of the Actors Fund to get those special events. Yeah, and I just watched 
Ratatouille the TikTok musical the other night. And I wish I had seen it earlier because I could have gotten the word out to, you know, we posted it on our, on our Facebook page with a day to go until it was, wasn't available anymore. And I noticed when I was, you know, signing up for tickets, it was one of those give what you can. There was a $5 limit. There was a $20 limit or not limit, but option yeah. for, for pain. And uh, I think that's a great way. And I know that, you know, regardless of the fact that we were, I, we were kind of late to it. I noticed from my Facebook feed, people in the Disney community, people in the theater community locally, people out here were all watching it. And I, I hope that they raised a lot of money from it. It was a fantastically put together, you know, performance. There's that. And then there's, I know Seth Rudetsky has the Stars in the House series that he's been doing and some other things. And I know, Jason, you're involved in that or have been involved in a part of that somewhere along the line. How did you get involved with that? And from your side, from your perspective, what have you seen as far as the participation and the reception to these sort of COVID generated shows? So Ratatouille was a huge success. I think it's raised 1.8 million so far. Amazing. You know, and that was some talent on TikTok, made up some songs, you know, kind of grew. Some producers saw it. You know, they went to the Actors Fund. I think they went to Disney Theatrical first. They got the rights for like 72 hours. And then uh, members from Disney are on the Actors Fund board. The Actors Fund helped get the talent you know, involved, um, the actors and actresses involved and, um, and the rest is history. But yeah, what a special event. I think people are just hungry for the arts right now. You know, having, you know, the stars in your living room is special. It's not the same as live theater. I think we're all zoomed out a little bit, but <laughs> at least, you know, choreography and, you know, new music went into Ratatouille, the TikTok musical. So it was something unique and it was something original. It was something new. I think people were just starving for it. Yeah. So and I've noticed, I've noticed that before you get the stars of the house, I just want to interject the, there's a lot of musicians and folks have been doing things over Zoom and, and recording. It's given, and I don't know how much of this is going to stick around. Matt and I have talked on, on previous shows about how much of these things we think will stick around after COVID happens. Yes, there's nothing, there's no replacement for a live show or a movie or live concert or anything like that. But some of these things that folks are doing, I think, give you a little more, make you feel closer to the artist in a way. So when you watch the original cast of Hamilton get together on a Zoom call, it's a unique thing that you get to watch that's different than you know the Hamilton show that you've listened to the soundtrack 50 times for or whichever. So I don't yeah. know, maybe, maybe some of these things will stick around. And I think it's easier for them to commit because they don't have to fly anywhere. You know, they can, you know, they can give a half hour of their time as opposed to, you know, having to take the whole day. You feel intimate, you feel connected to it. I like seeing what their houses look like. I'm always looking in the background and stuff like that. I know in my world, we will always do telehealth in some capacity, you know, maybe an hour or two, not, it doesn't have to be as much time as we're devoting to it now. But with my patients working in LA or doing show in Florida, good cruise ships, you know, it's so nice to be able to connect with my patients. Um, so that is a technology that we put in like overnight, but was here to stay forever. 
Yeah, I think we've said almost every show, we're so glad that the technology exists and it's so amazing to see how it's being put to use. Not not a replacement and we're all looking forward to when it comes back to normal, quote unquote, but uh, it's really phenomenal to be able to, to speak like we're speaking now to you uh, all the way on the other coast. So, well, thank you. Uh, well, actually, before we before we jump oh, yeah. in, I wanted, I wanted to hear about sure. Stars in the House. Of course. I'm jumping the gun here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, when back, I was on a couple of the very early episodes. I know Seth Verdetsky from my from my work, and John Lapook, Doctor John Lapook, has been on every episode to kind of give COVID information and to you know have like a medical segment about it. Um, and there were a couple episodes early on where Doctor Lapook couldn't join us because he was like with Dr. Fauci or something. And Seth would ask me to kind of fill in and be Dr. LaPook's understudy. Um, so that's kind of, cause they always wanted a medical piece to it um, to kind of remind people where we're at to get the current information out to people. So to kind of combine, you know, the arts and the music and Broadway with some medical information. So he felt that was important. So that's kind of why I was asked on to do a couple episodes, uh, which was thrilling me yeah those are I, i've noticed uh, and i've seen a few early on i haven't seen any of them lately uh but they are yeah again it's it's the ability to see these stars that you can't really get close to you know from our perspective um, you know they're doing a, a regular theater schedule they're doing two shows on wednesdays and saturdays and they're doing a show every night and they've been doing that since march but what's great about it is they're on YouTube, so you can go on anytime. And if you want to see the cast of, you know, Pippin Reunited, you can watch that anytime. They actually got a letter that they're archiving it and putting it in the Library of Congress to document this time in history. They feel it really represents the theater community, the entertainment community, and the medical information is there. Um, so it's going to be archived forever in the Library of Congress. Are there any stars uh, that work predominantly with the Actors Fund or have, have maybe made um, a, a priority out of becoming a spokesperson, anything like that, people that we might recognize? So Brian Stokes Mitchell is the chairman of our board. So he's, you know, he's our captain, oh captain. And so he does so much for the Actors Fund. He's pretty much everywhere there's an Actors Fund event. Stokes is my patient and I treated him with COVID when he was, he was early on, he had it pretty bad. So he said it publicly. So I'm not breaking too much HIPAA violation, but <laughs> um, we bonded over that because he was really sick for a while, but he's back to singing again. <laughs> awesome. He's got such a great baritone voice, man. But despite all the challenges back there, it sounds like you are enjoying what you do and uh, you and the Actors Fund are really impacting a lot of lives, uh, especially those folks that are still there and uh, still committed to their craft through this whole thing. So thank you again. Uh, our guest is Dr. Jason Kint. Uh, for more information on the Actors Fund, uh, please visit actorsfund.org. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, Dr. Jason is going to share some of his favorite things about Broadway and the New York theater scene as a fan. So thanks for joining us on Heilman and Haver. We will be right back. All right, well, welcome back to Heilman and Haver. We're back with Dr. Jason Kent of the Actors Fund, but we're switching gears a little bit to Jason's other role as Broadway superfan. So Jason, as a fan of Broadway, going back 
according to your bio, as far back as uh, you can remember, uh, how many shows do you think you've seen over the years? Yeah, that's a tough one. I have every playbill saved and um, it takes up a full closet. So I probably have seen maybe 250 shows. Some shows I've seen more than once, you know. So. And you have all your old ticket stubs too, right? Don't you? Ticket stubs, yes, because I figure that's the only proof that I actually saw. So how, how have you seen the prices increase? Because oh, yeah, my first ones were like 20 bucks. It's unbelievable, you know, when you look back at those old ticket stubs, you know. Crazy. Which is your favorite? So which of you, I guess there's two mm-hmm. questions there. You can say, which is your favorite and which of you have you seen the most if they're different? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, it's very cliche to say Hamilton, but I do think Hamilton is a genius work of art on so many levels. Um, and I saw it off Broadway down at the public theater before it became and it truly blew me away. It was one of the most amazing uh, theatrical experiences of my life. And the cast was unknown then. And they would all gather in the lobby after the show. And they'd be like, did you like it? Did you like the show? And you're talking to David Diggs and Philip Sue and, you know, Lin-Manuel. Uh, you know, and, you know, they were just hanging out at the public theater. Like, is it going to go anywhere? Is it going to make it to Broadway? You know? Um, so that was special. I, I always say Pippin changed my life. Uh, Diane Paulus revival of Pippin, you know, because it was right when I was in I was in Pennsylvania. And it's kind of the show that inspired me to leave my job, move to New York, you know, be a, closer to Broadway. So that kind of blew me away. Um, and then I have shows like I, I've treated most of the cast members of like the prom. So I just grew very, very close to that cast. And that's special um so that that show will always be near and dear to my heart there is there must be something about pippin because that is to this day because i was in pippin with associate producer quinn four years ago three years ago and to this date that is still his favorite musical and when i saw it i hated it i hated the ending it didn't make any sense to me you know, I, I thought he, he sacrificed and gave up marrying the woman that he clearly wasn't that into. And, you know, and I was in therapy at the time. And she's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe you're not Pippin. Maybe you're that little boy. You know, maybe you should see it through somebody else's eyes. And, and I just thought, you know, wow. You know, it, it, it's totally, you know. I called my first apartment in New York my corner of the sky, you know, it just kind of opened up my world. So yeah, it took me a while to think about it. Like I didn't love it initially, but the more the music is amazing, but the more that you think about the story, you can, I think there's some part of it that relates to everybody. We've got a fairly robust theater uh, scene here in Seattle, uh, Fifth Avenue, the Paramounts. Uh, and as a, a theater goer, late in life, really, I, I discovered theater on Broadway. Uh, it was in 2006, and I was there back in my radio days to cover the, the fifth anniversary of 9-11 uh, for the station I was working for at the time, and, and we got seats, we got floor seats to see the producers, like day of. And I didn't care about theater at that point. Uh, I'd been to some community theater as a kid, but okay, sure, I'll go along. And sat there and was absolutely blown away. Uh, it was about two weeks after Broderick and, uh, and Lane had left the production, but you couldn't tell. It was so amazing. And that has always stuck with me. Certain scenes, I, it's as, like I'm back there. Yeah. So you're obviously an experienced audience member. I, I've only got one, 
one experience of a Broadway show. So if you're looking to get tickets when everything gets rolling again here, what do you think is the best place to watch the show from? The floor, mezzanine, balcony? You've, you, I'm sure you've been everywhere. Oh. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it depends on the show. And it's a different show where you're sitting. So if it's, if you really want, I, I love sitting up close in the front orchestra, if it's like emotional, you know, if you really want to see the tears in their eyes and you really want to feel that, you know, passion, which you miss sometimes when you're sitting back. But if it's like big dance numbers and stuff, you know, I love the mezzanine to just kind of sit back and take it all in. I, I, I've seen Hamilton lots of time and I've seen it from the orchestra, from the rear mezzanine and, um, it's, it's a different show depending on where you sit, but you take something away from it. I didn't realize how genius the lighting was until I was like in the back and you're like, oh my gosh, look at that. You know, up front, you're looking, you know, at you know, the expressions and, they, and you feel the, I think the emotions more, you know. So you've done some traveling in your life as a, as a medical professional. And I know you were out here for a little bit uh, and we're as far away from Broadway almost as you can get you know, and still be in the continental United States unless you were in Arizona. How, how did you stay connected to Broadway and your love of musical theater from out here and from the road? Yeah, when I finished medical school, I didn't know where I wanted to settle down. So I did what they call locums. So I was like a traveling doctor and they sent me to different areas and I worked on a reservation. I lived in Everett. I never missed um, a serious satellite radio um, listening to the Broadway station. I, it kept me connected to the gossip, the news, the shows opening, closing. I would listen to Seth Rodetsky all the time. And it felt like, you know, I was home. And it blows my mind that fast forward 20 years, like I'm friends with Seth Rodetsky now. You know, not in my wildest dream would I think I have that connection, you know. That's awesome. Now, did you ever go to a show? If you were to ever, did you ever attend a touring version of a show in Seattle? I don't think so. I took my weekends to like explore because I really had never been out West. So I did a lot of national parks and I ended up driving I-5 from Canada to Mexico during different time, you know, and, and just mostly exploring the country. Um, but I didn't see a lot of theater those years. I might've actually come up with something that gives me one up on Dr. Jason here as far as shows seen. And that is, I was able to see the Broadway bound Mrs. Doubtfire at the Fifth Avenue. And then they, they took the entire cast. I mean, every last person to Broadway and everything got shut down. Yes. I cannot wait for you to see it. It is, uh, as a father, it, it was, it was life-changing to see this, this show. Um, and, and also as a, as a huge fan of the movie, I went in a little bit leery and was, just again, blown away by the talent and the storytelling. But uh, all right, so I got one on you. <laughs> you got one on well, me. C Seattle. Seattle's a big area for that. I remember, Jason, you it and is. I talked about Come From Away because I went you, to see Come you, From Away out here. Before I did, absolutely. Well, and that's the that kind of leads us into our next question. I, I was able to see that at a, at a smaller venue uh, for arguably less expensive tickets. <laughs> so if once things get rolling again, again, this is all, you know, when things when things start back up, a lot of people think, man, Broadway, that's got to be pretty cost prohibitive. It's going to hit me in the pocketbook too hard. Do you have any tips looking forward um, in time here when things get going again for folks who want to come to New York and visit maybe just as tourists for a few days and see a show, how they can save some money? Uh, you know, without no. scalping. <laughs> yes. yes. 
<laughs> you know, so shows that aren't sold out shall sell half price tickets at TKTF's booth. They have one in Times Square, but they added one at Lincoln Center. And I think there's one at South Street Seaport. Um, and you can get same day shows or, um, at, or for the next day at some of the locations um, for half price. Um, so I saw a lot of shows that way. Almost every show has some sort of raffle. You know, you get there ahead of time and they um, put your name in a cage and they pull out tickets or they have online. Um, I saw Hamilton uh, by winning the lottery once, a $10, you know, it's free to enter the lottery. It's a digital lottery online. They uh, raffle off the first and second row seats every day for every performance. Wow. So like 20 to 40 people get in every day for 10 bucks. If you win the lottery, you pay 10 bucks and you're in the first or second row. So uh, just look up the shows online and see if there's a raffle or something. You can also be a member of TDF, which is a theater development fund. And for that, you have to qualify. You have to be a teacher or retired or, you know, there's different things, you know, but if you qualify, um, then you can get like, I think their tickets are like $32. If you keep checking it sooner or later, you know, the shows that you want to see are available through that. Um, so I see a lot of theater without spending a lot of money. And if your patients are in shows, that helps. <laughs> you can get it now and then. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Just you know, yeah, make sure you treat them well, and you know, you scratch their back. And uh... <laughs> I had tickets to West Side Story. I had tickets to six. You know, a couple of shows I didn't get to because of COVID. But you know, you can kind of hear that if you read and you're aware, you know the buzz. You know what's going to be good. Um, and usually in previews, the tickets are cheaper than after that opens. Um, so I'm usually early to the party. Um, so it's rare for me to miss something. Well, speaking of COVID and, and shows, and Matt, you mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire. What show? There's a bunch of shows that are, were supposed to open. And the one that I can think of off the top of my head that was really intriguing to me was Hugh Jackman and the Music Man. Yeah. I would, I would love to see that show. Are there any shows like that or you know, Mrs. Doubtfire that you're looking forward to seeing specifically that you weren't able to see because everything shut down with COVID? I mean, I'm so hungry for it. I want to see everything. <laughs> I'm going to see everything. I can't wait. And I can't, I want to know what show I'm going to be in that night, you know, that it reopens and you're finally in a Broadway house again. Um, I have tickets for Music Man. They were canceled and reprinted. And then it was canceled and reprinted again. <laughs> so I have my third Music Man ticket. I think they're opening in January of 2022 now or something like that. But, you know, I think, you know, it depends what survived and what's coming back. But I, I think six is still coming. I, the things that I had tickets for will still return. And I'm more excited, I think, to see the new stuff that's been created during this time. You know, I'm anxious to see what people are going to, you know, put together and and see what good came out of this horrible period. Well, on the other side of that coin, obviously this is a long shutdown. What have you seen around the area as far as supporting businesses? Because, you know, we think of the actors and we think of the, the, the staff and the shows, but there's so many businesses that are there specifically because it's Broadway. Yeah. Are you seeing businesses going out of business, shuttering the doors? What are you seeing on the oh, ground absolutely. there? Absolutely. Businesses, restaurants, hotels, they're going, you know, they're going belly up. Indoor dining is canceled once again in New York right now. Nobody's wanting to eat outside in the freezing cold. 
uh, the New York Post had a really interesting article showing that when Broadway is successful, New York City is successful, you know, and when Broadway has a bad year, New York City has a bad year. Uh, the theater really is the, the pulse of the city and keeps it alive um, because around it are the hotels and around it are all the restaurants and around it are the, you know, souvenir shops. I mean, Midtown is nothing but Broadway. And seeing Broadway shut down, it's devastating. Times Square is empty and it's, it's a shell of what it used to be. And it needs the arts. It needs the arts to live. It's crazy. All those times listening to that Billy Joel song and you think the lights going out on Broadway is such an abstract thing. And, yeah. and to think that it's, they've been out for so long and, and we don't know when they're, they're coming back. That's really the you know, it's like thing the that... first industry impacted by COVID and it will be the last one to recover, you know, because sitting next to, you know, other people, actors, you know, projecting and spitting on each other. You know, there's no way to protect an actor until they're vaccinated and the disease is, you know, getting wiped out. Well, when things get going again, we're going to come see you because it sounds like we've got a great tour guide and a great theater critic. <laughs> I don't know. I tend to love everything. <laughs> well, thank you again to our guest, Dr. Jason Kint. Uh, for more information about the Actors Fund and how you can support the work that they're doing, visit actorsfund.org. Don't forget to join us next week, January 15th, when we'll welcome J.J. Rusella, author, educator, and innovator, who will talk to us about his work in immersive learning and experience design and his book, Chris, The Legend Begins, The Real Story of Santa Claus. And don't forget, Heilman and Haver can now be heard every week. You can find us on iTunes, YouTube, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to follow us and share the podcast with a friend. We'd love to hear from you, so join the conversation on Facebook or email us with thoughts and comments at heilmanandhaver at gmail.com. Happy New Year! And until the footlights come up again, thank you for supporting local theater, thank you for supporting the Actors Fund, and thank you for joining us on Heilman and Haver. 